Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California and now living in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Sure, I am also speaking to you from Beijing, just like Jason, but I'm proudly repping the Northeast part of China. That's where I'm from. Go Dongbei. Yes, go Dongbei. That's one thing we agree on when it comes to directions. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. I've never been to Dongbei. I've never been to the Northeast. I have no idea. I, I've seen pictures and stuff. I've heard stories. There's so much more than just that. <laughs> There's so much more than just pictures and stories. You need to go experience the completely different vibe. Well, I do want to go. I want to go to Harbin for the Ice Festival, but that is not what we're here to talk about. Mm. We're here to talk about preserving one's culture in a foreign land, in a global space, versus expat bubbles, which are, mm. you could say both, because some people say, oh, wow, look at those people, they're preserving their heritage, and they, they say it in a beautiful <laughs> way, and then they also, some other people will also say, look at those foreigners, they live in an expat bubble, which is a bad thing, so you have, like, are people living in an expat bubble, or are they preserving their heritage, which one is mm. it, you know, so I thought we could talk about this, I wanted to start with foreigners in China, because that's usually not an angle that is presented. Yeah. So there is a very famous website out here. So you're getting, they're getting plugged. I'm not trying to, I don't know anybody who works for them. They're called the Beijing. <laughs> and they are, they are the place people go to find out where the parties are and where the cool stuff's happening. Yes. And like to go, I, I never go on here, <laughs> but really, I, I've been on there. Like, you know, when in my first year or two, and when I was like, what is this, where is, what is Beijing? Where are things? And so mm. I did go on the Beijing or to get my feet, but I don't really go on there now. I still, I still read them. I'm a, I'm a, what do you call that? I'm a subscriber to their WeChat channel, WeChat account. I am too, but I don't actually ever click into any of their art. Most of it's like, there's a hamburger competition and I'm like, scroll, scroll, <laughs> scroll. Like, I don't care about some hamburger competition. Come on. Okay. I mean, Chinese food, come on. We're in the, like one of the best countries for food on earth and people are having hamburger competitions. What is that about? Come on. I know. All right. <laughs> so this is just I just got some samples from this website to talk about culture because, you know, there are expats from everywhere living here in Beijing. You can get any kind of food from any country in the world. And so, you know, they're ambassadors and like residents. So, OK, British ambassadors, residents. This happened a week or a couple weeks ago. Mm. Those wishing to pay their respects following the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II uh, will be able to do so by signing an official book of condolences at the British ambassadors residence tomorrow mm. so this this is a little bit dated but it's rec fairly recent what it suggests is that if you're from the uk or i guess you're from one of the countries that is still under the british empire i never really understood that because you can go and sign a book that says that you you know are very saddened by the passing mm. of the queen I, I think i saw that article as well mm. so you know this is i guess for people who are very into the monarchy this is a way for them to preserve their connection to it you know what the only thing that really, you know, like the passing of the queen doesn't affect me as an American really that much other than magazine covers are changed when I walk by like a magazine booth or something. But like for me, passing of the queen means they're going to have to reprint a lot of money around the world because her face is everywhere. We watched a video uh, immediately after the, the queen's passing. Basically just saying, what are the potential impacts of a queen's passing or, you know, in that sense, a king's passing. And then now because it, the monarch has a king now instead of a queen. So not just the money. There's also the song that they have to change. Mm. Instead of God bless the queen, they have to say God bless the king now. I mean, sorry for her, for her passing, but steps. it's something that <laughs> we can't really fathom anymore. Like I look at it. We, a lot of people look at it as something that's. Um, extravagant when it comes to royal events, like the, the royal weddings, or if you know the the little princess and the the princess are having their birthdays and stuff, and then people are always looking at their fashion and how they behave themselves. Um, but apparently, they still have a lot of social and economical impact when they, you know, when when major events like this happen. So I saw that article. I was like, oh well, maybe people would like to be part of it as well, and then. Actually, around me, there are some people that are not British that 
also participated in that. And I was like, okay. I guess, uh, yeah, it was South Africa, maybe, or like Canada or something. I don't know. Actually, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. I, <laughs> I would usually crack jokes about the monarchy, but because there's the passing of this I person, know. I'm going to reserve and hold myself back and not say anything See. that I'm going to regret. But, uh, you know, I want to point out that that's not the only kind of culture that is being celebrated by a people here in Beijing. Here's another one. Gala de Independencia. You speak <laughs> Spanish, right, Alex? How do you say this? I don't speak I don't speak Spanish. I know I dance salsa and it sounds like I should <laughs> I should speak Spanish, but I don't. But I know this because I used to go, interestingly, the place that, that's mentioned in this article, uh, El Barrio, that place in, in mm. Naripani. I was going to say El Barrio. You got to say it a little more. I can't. I can't. Barrio. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a Mexican Independence yep. Day that is celebrated here in Beijing at a Mexican a Mexican restaurant <laughs> bar. And it's actually pretty fun. Rest, like, yeah. if you go, it's pretty fun. They usually have, like, a, a mariachi band. Uh, I don't know if they did this year. Mm. But it has, they have, they would have prepared some really authentic Mexican cuisine, not that's different mm. from their usual menu. And um, mm. people just drink and dance. And it's a, you know, it's just like <laughs> another party. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so moving on, this one is French fair. So this is another school term has started together with the French Zero Distance Association. Invite all families to this activity. We hope to see some of our old friends and etc. So you come and I guess you eat croissants and go. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can make fun of somebody today. I'm sorry. Go, ooh, la, la. <laughs> ooh la la. Oui oui. And so. Oh God, we're oh, so wrong. Man, I'm so sorry, everybody who listens to this who appreciates French culture. Deepest respect. It's a beautiful country. My French friend is going to have a conversation with me after listening to this episode. <laughs> Just all the cliches that we could throw out. You know, my exposure to uh, French culture. I guess. It's not exposure to French culture. To French fun, let's put it that way, was Pepe Le Pew. Do you know Pepe Le Pew? Uh, the, the skunk that is very romantic. Oh, my God. <laughs> who's all, it's a cartoon. <laughs> that it, It's a cartoon. I think it's by uh, Warner Brothers that follows a, a cat around. The cat has mistakenly been painted on the back side, so it looks like a skunk. And Pepe Le Pew, this oh, yeah, French yeah, skunk, yes. Yes, falls yes. in love with the cat and begins chasing it and is like... Oh, and like the cat is like, oh, we're running away trying to you get know escape. What? So, you go ahead. I always thought it was because <laughs> I never watched the actual cartoon. I've seen that cartoon mm-hmm. like character image. I thought it was a squirrel. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's supposed to be a skunk. Yeah, I'm not sure why. I guess it's a little uh, fun by the Americans, but you know, I'm sure French culture, it seems very beautiful, elegant. People love to go to Paris. I know a lady who lived there for two years in the south of France. It's, mm. it's a gorgeous culture, and they too are trying to preserve their culture here living in China. Okay. Now, I got the next one because I wasn't sure how Americans celebrate their culture. What culture do we have? So I got this one. Mickey, the true and original and ever curious exhibition. So (laughs) Disney is the closest thing I could think to. Is there an American culture besides cowboys? So uh, there's Mickey Mouse exhibitions here in Beijing. And I guess hamburger competitions that maybe squeeze that in there. So Americans are preserving their their culture too here in China. Uh, Moving on, Singapore National day in CBD. So I guess uh, they are also preserving their culture and Dastan Indian Restaurant is celebrating Indian Cultural Night. Uh, not not too long ago, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, an outdoor Israeli film festival where they watch leftover women past life the day after I'm gone alone together. Mm. So there are tons of different cultures and each one of these cultures that lives here in China is trying to hang. Uh, well, I guess not, some of the people in these cultures are trying to preserve and celebrate their own culture because that don't go to like hamburger competitions and Mickey Mouse exhibitions. <laughs> so I guess I don't count as one of these people that's desperately, oh, oh, let me rephrase that, that's clinging to my own culture. Instead, you know, I go eat Chinese food every day. I mean, that's um, that's the kind of the right thing to do. But sometimes, maybe, maybe, maybe sometimes not. you can't help. Sometimes people just miss 
the taste of home. I mean, I think it's the right thing to do. If you're living in another country, you want to make sure that you're really getting the full experience. But sometimes you can't mm-hmm. just help missing home. It's like how I would spend extra money to buy some like semi-authentic Chinese food when mm. I was living in the United States. I would spend $80 in one dinner for one person. But wow. I was like, I want that hui guo I want that double cooked pork. So I'll pay for it. Um, <laughs> so I don't blame people who go to restaurants here um, just to... Because it's mm-hmm. your taste palettes. Mm-hmm. Your taste palettes are built in a way, unless you're already a very open person, mm-hmm. you can't help it. I've met people who come here um, and live here and they would refuse to eat Chinese food. And I was like, wow, I know one person like that. And I was very surprised. But, you know, she's a very nice lady. She's also lived here, the lady I'm thinking of, for more than 10 years. So I'm not trying to judge anybody. How do you survive? I mean, yeah, I know. Yeah. But still, I was thinking about this as an expat living here. I always try to, you know, Mm. assimilate as much as possible. I'm terrible at learning languages, so I can't say that I have assimilated because my Chinese is not good enough (laughs) to say that. But I, you know, I try to live as much like other folks around. I have a shui bay. (laughs) Ha ha. But, you know, I get a little judgy, you know, like, oh, look at those expat bubble people. But, you know, the thing is, I feel the exact opposite way when I'm in the United States and I see like Mm. people from India wearing saris and preserving their culture. I'm like, wow, good on them. That's so cool of them to do that. (laughs) So I guess I'm just a judgmental person because like double standard in America. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. They kept their Chinese culture. They kept their Indian culture. They kept their Italian culture. Mm. And then I come over here and I'm like, just go into a hamburger event. (laughs) Like it's the exact same thing. So like people who, you know, they miss home, they want to bring home with them or like people who are really good at making a specific food from their, their home country, maybe open a restaurant that's successful here in in China. Yeah, I have a I have a friend who uh, unfortunately left China recently due to some family mm-hmm. matter. But she was here. She's uh, she used to work for a think tank, but she her heart was is all in making mm-hmm. amazing food and bringing together the community. So she actually organized this event with her partner. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the Black mm-hmm. Expo. Yeah, yeah, in China. So I, I go to their event every every mm, year mm, whenever mm, they throw yeah. it on because it's such a celebration of just different cultures. Mm. You know, it's not just American culture. It's like, you know, African countries or wherever you're from. And people bring their like, you know, like Caribbean food, African cuisine, um, and then all of these mm. arts and little pieces like little earrings or jewelries that are very ethnic, um, very beautiful. Every year I go there, I'm like, oh God, I'm going to spend another like <laughs> 700 quad on just food and, and earrings. But that's, she was doing that event. And then on top of that, she would do like catered dinner or brunch where just, she just makes very mm-hmm. unique, like Southern comfort food or like uh, African themed uh, catered dinner. Such an amazing experience. Like it's a great food. And for me as a Chinese person, being able to kind of just taste that in mm-hmm. a, in a, in a, in my own country, it's an amazing experience. And also people who come out to those events, like for, for example, from like South Africa, from like Nigeria, they would dress in their, Mm. like, you know, Mm -hmm. their own style as well. And they look beautiful. One of the things that's actually one of the things that surprised me about like moving to China, I expected it to be like, you know, 99.99% Chinese. But in fact, it's not like that really. Like, Mm. you know, if I open my phone and want to order Indian food, there's like multiple locations. Or if I want to order like Jamaican food, I can. And there are like special events for food from different places. Like I know a South African lady and she does like her own like pop-up kitchen kind of thing Mm. where she does like a cuisine night occasionally, like once a month or so. And you have to go to a specific location where she like leases or a friend gives her a kitchen and she makes like very special dishes from back home. So like whatever culture that you're a part of from wherever you are in pretty much the entire world, there's a space for you. And I remember this is very much like where I'm from in San Francisco. And San Franciscans and Los Angeli- Angelinos, I guess, they're very proud. I just right? saw that word yesterday. Yeah, it, yeah. Like a proud Angelino. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. They're, they are very proud of the cultures that are preserved within them. Mm. For example, Oktoberfest, right? So, oh, my God. Yeah, so this is a German thing that happens in, across little towns and bars have this all over, you know, where I'm from in California. I guess it's all over the States, like where there's an Oktoberfest. And San Francisco has a 
giant blowout every year yeah. where it's on the pier and you buy the big glasses that are, you know, you, I don't know how someone drinks that much beer, <laughs> but there are some people drink Miracle. two or three of them. Yeah. And like you, you get like coop tickets, you buy a bunch of tickets and then like you get a bunch of brat first and you eat, drink a bunch of beer. And then I guess people mostly do it in the, uh, when I went, I was taking German at university and then my professor was like, mm. oh, you, you know, you can get like some extra credit a little tiny bit if you go to Oct- if you drink more if you beer. go to Oktoberfest and take a <laughs> selfie or whatever so I, I showed up late and I was like at, I don't know 9 or 10 p.m mm. it started in the afternoon or something so when I got there it was just a whole bunch of drunken people oh my god and, and like the band was like barely playing because they were intoxicated <laughs> too and there wasn't very much food left and people there were broken glasses on the ground this oh. was like I don't know 2008 or nine or something or maybe no earlier than that it was early it was 2006 or seven and i just remember like wow <laughs> i should have come earlier and then just people like oh i mean it's, it's a pretty fun <laughs> scene to walk into if you you're the only one that is sober <laughs> <laughs> sober yeah sober showing up sober to oktoberfest in the nighttime is a very bizarre and surreal experience but you know i've been to similar events mm. when you go at the right time and it's just like a huge party all these people in their mock leader hosen <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll be able to see that in beijing as yeah well. dude is there an oktoberfest there must be like at a bar or two right there are a couple of german bars here that celebrate oktoberfest mm. kind of legit yeah. and people also tend to just participate however yeah. they can you know, uh, there's another event that happens every year that is not Oktoberfest. It's really it's related to um Qingdao. So there's Qingdao the city. The Qingdao Beer yeah, Fest. Exactly. There's Qingdao the City, which is starts with the Q and Qingdao the Beer which starts with TS. <laughs> and I believe, if I'm getting my history right, the Germans actually helped establish beer brewing in the city of Qingdao during the colonial period. Wow. And so the beer is actually a heritage left over from like the the Germans themselves. And so every year there's a huge Qingdao beer festival, which has nothing to do with German Mm. culture, has everything to do with Qingdao beer. And you can go to the Qingdao factory and take a tour. And across the street, there's a huge party and there are like all kinds of events all over the city. We went to the factory. They they wouldn't let us in. They were like, oh, tourism only only happens inside the factory sometimes and it's not one of those times but there were all these bars everywhere that sold like Qingdao so we had some Qingdao made a bunch of friends we're hanging out with people we'd never met before my <laughs> wife bless her heart she was um uh, so elated oh, no. <laughs> actually she doesn't drink now at all she won't but at that time she was like occasional and she was just so happy oh like, was- that's all that's so endearing My coworker, she's from Shandong province, um, not from Qingdao, but she would go. Mm. We were sharing our like travel experience, you know, your best travel activity. And she she said she's a very quiet lady, very nice. And I'm not saying that there's a stereotype on people who like to drink. <laughs> but you, if you look at her, you wouldn't think she's like a huge beer mm. person. Turns out she actually is. And she would go to the Qingdao Beer Festival every mm. year when she can um and then there's apparently it happens around or close to the golden beach you just go to the beer festival walk around eat some snacks get like a couple big bottles of really nice beer and then you go to the golden beach and chill Mm -hmm. and you drink beer on the beach well yeah so i guess this is chinese culture now so now we're in we're in a kind of a nebulous gray zone between our topic where like a foreign culture has become like a common thing nice segue yeah so i want to actually go to chinese culture preserved in the u.s Mm. uh i have some data here about san francisco like some articles from sfist.com and it's from this year and it's from the chinese spring festival and it talks about all the tiger floats that they had this year in san francisco and there's just a series of them and most of them are sponsored one is sponsored by alaska airlines and they have these huge floats that they've been building and so you know everyone knows that 
all there are Chinatowns around the world where Chinese culture is preserved globally. Yeah. And some, you know, you see different kinds of Chinese folks. You see Chinese folks who live in Chinatowns and mostly speak Chinese and spend their life there. And you also see the reverse, completely assimilated Chinese <laughs> folks who don't speak Chinese at all and only speak English. Yeah. And you see people who are like in between that where they're like, oh, I go to hang out with uh, in Chinatown, but I also have a life outside of that. And so you have every kind of part of the spectrum of people who are totally into preserving mm. their Chinese heritage and people who are like, I'm watching, you know, I don't know, what is the new Game of Thrones, whatever that show. House the of new Dragon. Game, House of the Dragon, right? House <laughs> of the Dragon, right? <laughs> There's so much to talk about that show. No, oh, definitely not. Yeah. I, I was reading these articles that you sent over and I was like, this is one question I've always wanted to ask. I've always wanted to find out. And then I did a little bit of research, but I returned mm-hmm. almost nothing. Every Chinese culture related events or celebration in the U.S., there's always there there's always the floats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're always the floats. I, so I went with China Daily. China Daily organizes, like, mm. what do you call that? Like a study week travel in the US. And mm. I went to the US for two weeks with China Daily. And mm-hmm. we met Chinese American entrepreneur who's doing really, really well. He has his own hotel and he's really rich and a very nice and very respected gentleman. We had a, a long conversation about his business um, and he was introducing, he was saying how basically how proud he is, he was of his Chinese heritage. And mm-hmm. um, he put his personal money into throwing celebrations like this. And at the time, mm-hmm. you know, that was my first time in the States. It was 20, 2011. I didn't know too much about everything. And he was like, you know, I have floats team of uh, 80 floats. Wow. I was like, what is a float? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're right. Yeah, that's maybe a very American thing, right? Yeah. No, you know what? Not, it must be a global thing to have like parades, right? Because the Netherlands li- like uh, likes floats as mm. well, right? I don't know. I've never been to the Netherlands. I have no idea. I only, I, I've just heard of I it. I found out they're one of the major export economies in the Netherlands. It really su- surprised me. I was like, what? They're like the fifth largest exporting country in the world, the Netherlands? I was like, what are you guys, what is this? <laughs> oh, but you know, like when I was in San Francisco 2010, I want to say Chinese New Year, mm. I had a bunch of Chinese friends, like, but they weren't, you know, American Chinese. They were like from China proper. And they were like, oh, we're going to celebrate Chinese New Year. Do you want to come? I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Showed up. Yeah. And they were making dumplings at home. And like, there was of like course, 20 we of them. And like, they're <laughs> all making little dumplings and getting stuff ready. And like, they were getting ready to watch the gala actually on, t- t- yeah. on TV. And I was like, oh, I thought we were going to Chinatown <laughs> or something. No. Nope. They're like, no, no, no. We're just going to do it the way we do it back home. Just all as a big group here. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. So like, I think there's there's a there's like different ways to embrace one's own culture. And I think that a lot of the people who live in Chinatowns are from older times in history and actually newer. Like if you look at San Francisco geographically, you have different places where there are huge accumulations of like Chinese people who have settled down and kind of made the neighborhood their own. Mm. So just south of the Golden Gate Park on the west side of 19th Street, there are a couple streets there that go all the way to the beach and are almost an exclusive owned by Chinese folks. Yeah. And so it is kind of like its own little Chinatown. And then if you go north of Golden Gate Park, central, like there's another long stretch of streets where there's a whole bunch of Chinese families who bought all the, and you can go into the shops and buy like real Chinese food and real Chinese ingredients for food and stuff. And it's like its own Chinatown. And then, yeah. then there's officially the actual Chinatown. There's a lot of Chinese folks preserving their culture in different ways. I think Chinatown itself is maybe just the oldest enclave. Probably. And I think the parade and the the floats and putting on sort of a public show, that's kind of like how um, I would say, for example, Independence Day is celebrated in China as well. Like Mm. you are, you have to make it a little bit more exaggerated because most of the time, if you're celebrating, for example, Fourth of July in the in the United States, you would just be with friends or family, right? You'll have a barbecue, have a little gathering. But here, you you kind of have to make it an event. At an event, you just have to do something else to make it to call it an event. Otherwise, it's just a large gathering. And I guess that's what uh, people in Chinatown and the United States, or matter of fact, like all over the world, when they are celebrating a Chinese holiday, they just kind of have to make it bigger so that it's like, oh, we're celebrating this and you're welcome to be part of it as well. You know, you just gave me an idea with all this discussion about 
floats. We need to create like an uh, an America holiday where we have a bunch of floats with cheeseburgers going down Main Street here in Beijing. How about this? Instead of a burger fest, we do like a big burger floats, and then you know you just throw burgers at people that are watching. <laughs> well, no, I was thinking you could each each group of Americans that is like sponsored in the event, like you know by Bank of China or whatever, and like ICBC, they could each have their own float and they could decorate it however they thought. So you have a hot dog float going down and like, uh-huh. I don't know, a baseball cap, giant baseball cap. Or something. I would love to just quickly speak on the, the burger now that we're talking about it and I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> and this is one thing that I love when it comes to fusion food. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hated fusion food when, when I was in the United States. I was like, mm-hmm. you don't really know what you're doing. Like <laughs> you're changing Chinese food and you're calling it fusion. I'm like, it's not Chinese food anymore. It's not a Chinese mm-hmm. fusion. You're taking away the Chineseness completely. But I love fusion food here. There was a, there was a, a, a a Belgian beer place. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they closed, I think, where they moved, but they're no longer at the location they used to be, which is unfortunate because uh, I love going that, to that place. They did this thing. Their burgers don't use the bread buns. Their burgers are made with the mantou bun, which is uh. steamed Chinese bun buns. And the flavor they use to try to do like Beijing duck flavor, but the, the, the dressings are mm. different, Western, whatever. And that was the best fusion food I've ever had. It's even, I like it so much more than balta. I don't know if you had balta, which is yeah, pizza yeah. in the shape of a, a balza, basically like a different type of calzone. But I love when fusion <laughs> like that happens in a, in, a, in another country or in China. Yeah, least. I guess with the metropolitan city like shanghai or beijing or san francisco or los angeles there can there are a lot of options for like mixing food up because basically you have people from yeah every single country on the planet living in the same city and so like anything is possible oh, yeah. you're listening to the bridge I wanted to ask you specifically about your own experience because you lived in what Boston mm-hmm. and New York and Charlotte, Charlotte North, North Carolina. Carolina. <laughs> so what was it for you? Like, um, not just in terms of food, but, you know, like other aspects like uh, of, of life <laughs> in addition to food, like um, only capable was, of talking about were food. <laughs> Did you spend a lot of time with other Chinese speaking folks, for example, or did you try to primarily speak with other English speaking folks? Did you primarily watch Chinese movies when you watched television or did you primarily start to watch like foreign, I guess, American or European movies? Were you assimilating or were you hanging on? Was there a combination? Could you tell us about that? Really good question. That was a whole phase that I went through. There's like a a proper progress that I, I made or in terms of how I look at myself as a Chinese person living in, a, mm. in another country because when I first went there and this is not bragging but I I was like I don't have a language barrier before I went there I was like I will be okay like mm. I work with American people in China I work with cold people from different cultures in China you got to the United States you realize there are a lot of things about the language English language that you just didn't know and you start to doubt yourself mm. and in that moment for a good maybe a couple of weeks i was like oh my god there's so much about american culture american society that i need to catch up on to be able to have a conversation with my peers in the same program to talk about baseball and politics i'm like oh my god i have to watch everything that i can i have to like read i have to like basically before every social occasion i would have to read on (laughs) stuff i do the same thing actually if i'm going to a cultural event here in china or something that's really, I will look it up a little oh, bit on Wikipedia. I wasn't even just looking it up. I was like, oh my God, I need to become an expert. Mm. Like I need to know everything about the MLB. Because <laughs> they talk about it in Boston. They talk about mm. that stuff like nonstop. And then there are all these names and these games, these teams. I was like, oh God, <laughs> who are these people? Sometimes it's not even people they talk about, but I think it's people. So I went through that initial phase and then I just got... Mm. And I just went like, well, I don't think it's ever going to happen. They spent their first 25 years in, in the States learning everything about it. And then I was like mm-hmm. anxious about not knowing social references or pop culture references as well. So I was trying to like assimilate hard <laughs> for like a good maybe 
month or two. Hmm. And then I just gave up. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I was like, you know what? You just, you grew up and you became more comfortable by the idea of saying, mm. sorry, I don't know what that is. And I, you start asking that question. Mm. Uh, but I've always had Chinese friends that I was able to, we either cook with or either find places mm. where we can have Chinese food together. Um, when we're together, mm. of course, we watch Chinese shows. That's one thing I never, ever gave up. I always mm. watch Chinese media, uh, Chinese shows, Chinese, not so much movies, shows mostly, and Chinese mm. variety shows. I never stopped watching those things. But I did have, I do have this one friend. His name is Jerry. He lives in Canada. He moved to Canada. He wasn't just going there for school. He moved to Canada with his family when he was 21 mm-hmm. already. And he wasn't really speaking the language. And he had some really bad mm-hmm. experiences. Like people kind of, uh, you know, just didn't treat him as nice as as they could have. So that really hurt his feelings. So Jerry went through this really tough three years where he completely cut himself off of anything Chinese. Wow. So no Chinese. He wouldn't read anything um, in Chinese. He wouldn't watch anything in Chinese. He would not speak Chinese. And he would just only talk to people who are native speakers. Wow. Um, and three years later, he went from not being able to speak English to having a completely... You talk to him, you're like, oh, he's Canadian. Like, there's no... Mm. There's no even saying, oh, there's a hint or a trace of accent. Mm. I never went through that. I could never do that. And especially... In Boston, New York, there's so many Chinese people, so many, you know, Chinese places you could go to. Charlotte was a little bit different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had like one Chinese friend in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. That was it. I didn't have like mm. a Chinese Oh, community. because they're just less of a community. Yeah. Did I have ever told you the story of the, the restaurant delivery guy from the Chinese restaurant that I ordered from in Charlotte? No. I was ordering from them. It was in the States and it was back in 20. 20- 14. So there's no Ulama, there's no Uber Eats, there's no, mm-hmm. you know, Meituan. So delivery person belongs to the restaurant. And I would order from this Chinese restaurant called the Great Wall. And I couldn't order too much mm. too often because it's expensive. I do it when I miss home, like when I miss home a lot. So I order from them. A gentleman comes and knocks on my door. I open the door and he says, it's a Chinese uh, gentleman with glasses on. And he says, here's your food. And I said, oh, I think I either said thank you mm-hmm. or goodbye in Chinese. I say, I say thank you. I say xie or I say zaijian. He already, he's already turning away to leave. Mm-hmm. And he hears my, he hears my Chinese and he stops and he comes back. He's like, oh my God, you're Chinese. I'm like, yes. And he goes, may I please hug you? What? <laughs> I go, uh, Yes. And then he just hugged, he hugged me and it's, I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like I'm, I'm seeing tears in his eyes. Was this guy from China or something? Yeah. Yeah. He's absolutely. Oh, Chinese. okay. So I was confused about this story. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's a Chinese gentleman. Sorry. Oh, so he was like, I miss home so bad. I need to hug a Chinese person. There's so few wow. Chinese people. He's like, I, I would love to hug a Chinese person. I was like, oh yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. That's um, a beautiful was, story. No, you definitely not told this story before. I would, I would remember. Remember the guy who cries tears of joy from hugging you. From seeing another Chinese person. Because he was probably mainly in charge of sending food to the area I was living. And that area had no Asian person at all. Mm. Like, I don't see Asian people, not even just like Chinese. I don't see Asian people in the place that I live in that little neighborhood mm. south south of Charlotte. Mm. I, I think it's really, it's a good thing that, you know, there's a lot of Chinese folks that are preserving their culture in the United States because it definitely spices up food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice pun. <laughs> there are Chinese folks living all over the world in the diaspora. So mm. a lot of folks have preserved their culture really well. And so mm. if you go to London and you want a mooncake, they will give you mooncakes, actually. So you can yeah. get like free mooncakes if you show up at different places. And it says these mooncakes are not suitable for vegans. I just want to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Tai Chi. Of course, you know, Tai Chi. So sort of. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if you know Tai Chi. You know of Tai Chi, right? I know of Tai Chi. My friend, my dear, dear, dear friend, Anna, who's going to come back to visit. I'm super excited about this. Um, She actually went to learn Tai Chi. Like she went to Tai Chi classes. Hmm. So when it comes to the two of us, she knows Tai Chi. I only know of Tai Chi, mm. but she actually 
took classes and she was able to, after a couple of months, she was able to demonstrate. And I felt the power of that thing mm. for the first time. It was just looking like she tried it. We tried it. She's like, push me. I was like, oh, what? Well, I want to mention, I mentioned this because I have a brother. His name is Robert. He listens to this show, so he will definitely hear Hi, it. Hi, Robert. He is a huge fan of our show. He listens to every single Aww. one that comes out. And he, I remember in 2000, I don't know, I'm going to say 2001, 2002, he was taking Tai Chi classes for a long time. And, you know, him and our mutual friend, they would go to these Tai Chi classes a couple of times. They're like, Jason, do you want to come? And I was like, no, I'm going to sit in the car, car <laughs> read this book, have fun exercising chumps. So yeah. They would go like do Tai Chi for an hour or two and come back all sore and stuff. And like, yeah, they're like, oh, the master said this and the master said that and be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Let's go. Yeah, eat. yeah, yeah. Let's go eat. Come on. <laughs> so, but, it, you know, in America, it's actually very different than in China. Like, there are youth in China who are interested in Tai Chi. Yeah. But there are far and few between compared to the elderly who are like, wow, it's tight. I'm 65. It's time for Tai Chi. And yeah. Like, so many. You look out your window from a high rise into the parks. You see them 6 a.m., huge groups of folks doing Tai Chi and in the evenings too, different times. Mm. And, they're, you know, and this is something they brought abroad. And what's really cool is that in foreign countries, it's a thing that you do because it's kind of form of martial arts. Not And it's a, yep. it's also beautiful, you know, and it's a good, good exercise. But people in America are very interested in, in Asian martial arts. And so a lot of people, young people, learn Tai Chi as a way to get in shape and to connect with another culture and to be able to defend themselves a little. And, you know, Tai Chi is very uh, push you down with your own energy kind of fighting. It's like it's not like I'm going to break your neck, you know, like some other kinds of forms of martial arts. It's more like. Oh, you're going to attack me? I'm just going to push you on the ground. It's using your own force to push you to the ground because Anna did a demonstration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She just got into the stands and she she held her arms out and then she goes, push me. <laughs> <laughs> you should insult her right then, <laughs> you know, because that would be like a kind of push. And I did. Yeah, well, your hair doesn't look that I- good. <laughs> Feel pushed. <laughs> oh, that's like that's like a scene from a comedy sketch. That's great. Maybe you should try comedy, Jason. Um, and I did push her arms and oh my God, I'm like, how <laughs> those arms didn't feel like arms to feel like, like tree branches that you can't just move. Wow. So did she tell you where you could have just pushed her in the head or like she didn't specify? She did say push my arms. And then one of our, one of our friends was kind of like thinking in the same veins of how you think mm. and they try to push other where she's like, <laughs> come on. No, I only practiced for three months. Like if I'm a master, then you could probably push me anywhere and it'll be the same but for me you have to push my arms for now well i want to talk about a little bit about another culture because i had the opportunity to live in south korea for a little while Mm. and so i lived in south korea for a year and i liked some of the food i was like oh this is delicious i went that's exactly what i was thinking yeah korean (laughs) culture most people probably think of like k-pop k-drama yeah that's what people think of when most people think of korea in my opinion yeah or what's that what's that television show where they kill all the poor people (laughs) oh my god squid games squid games right yeah okay but also the food number three so i went back to san francisco after living there for one year and i'm mm. one of my friends and they were like well what was korea like and i'll say i was like i'll show you so i brought them to a korean restaurant uh-huh. and i was like okay let's let's order this and that and they were like what what are you talking about and i was like trying to order and they were like i don't understand and so like i got the menu out and i was like it's this one and they're like okay and they brought it it was nothing like korean food in korea really and you know it's the same experience that i think you have as a Chinese person going mm. and trying Chinese food in America, where it's just like, oh, okay, we'll try this. <laughs> oh, and that. And it's like, this is not Chinese food. Yep. It was the same thing. They brought it out, and I was like, never mind. Korea was nice. <laughs> oh, man, all the for Chinese people, I felt, I felt like, I mean, I've never been to Korea mm. myself, but I feel like I am a fan of Korean food. So I felt like <laughs> in different cities, at least in the United States, in Boston, New York, I was always able to find 
legit really good Korean mm. food. And then I think yeah, it's out there. It's just hard. Yeah, and then it, it it's just as good, if not better, than the Korean restaurants that you could find in Beijing. Actually, like some places, maybe I haven't explored that much. I did find one Korean restaurant here in Beijing. I can't remember um exactly where it was, but it was like on the Guamau, the big Guamau corner with the huge intersection on the southwest side. That on like the second or third floor, there is a Korean restaurant that serves Korean food. Like it actually is in Korea. Mm. But it's it's hard to find, you know, like just like if you're in San Francisco, if you go to 50 Chinese restaurants, two or three of them are going to actually be Chinese food. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to you got to be careful. Or like if you think you know about another culture by experiencing it from somewhere else, a lot of it's already, you know, second, third generation and it's kind of taken on its own personality. It, oh, that's a very good way of putting it. Um, That's the thing. Like, don't a lot of people I remember I was talking to my friend's roommate in Boston and they were like, oh God, we don't like Chinese food. I'm like, first off, if you don't like Chinese food, don't tell me. You know, like, They said it to my face. They were like, oh God. Wow. Well, yeah. And they're like, we'll never go to Chinese food. Like, oh no, I don't want to go to Chinese food because Chinese food is so greasy and it's so heavy. It's so sticky. Because wow. at the time it was, I was also kind of new in Boston and I was going to have, like I was having burgers and all of these like dishes that are soaked in butter. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chinese food is greasy. What are you talking about? And I, yeah. at the time, I was, of course, thinking like homemade Chinese food and homemade Chinese food is so healthy. It's so healthy. Like mm. it's like just a dash of oil you put in there and you, there's no butter. There's no cheese. There's nothing heavy in it. And then they were like, yeah, because we go to this Chinese restaurant and it's just like, um, mm. it's just like everything soaked in oil. I'm like that Chinese restaurant. Like I can't even pardon it of being anything yeah. like Chinese at all. If some restaurant do it just a little westernized, but it's still Chinese in its core. But this, I was like, no, nah, you can't just go to one Chinese restaurant and say, oh, Chinese food is just yeah, because like most American Chinese food is not like Chinese. food. Not at all. So, yeah. oh, you know, actually, I am the opposite. I love really, really bad for you, super greasy food. <laughs> and so in Modesto, California, where I lived when I was young, I used to go drive off secretly. You know, one of these, I can't eat with other people because I'm going to overindulge like meals Aww. to this Chinese restaurant. I can't remember exactly. It was on the, a street called McHenry Avenue. And I can't remember the name of the place, but it was just pure oil, right? You know, everything was Ugh. just like so bad for you. And I would order a, t yeah. a ton of it secretly alone. And then... Uh, <laughs> oh my. But it, there's nothing like that here, actually. When I came over to China, yeah. I can't find like food is that bad for me. It's like, oh, where's all the oil? <laughs> I know. I love... I developed this kind of obsession with like buffalo chicken wings. And every time I, when I crave that flavor, I have to order the wings. But like when it's served, the paper that's under it is soaked, soaked in oil. In China, think about foreigners who assimilate mm. versus don't assimilate. And I yeah. think that there's, my opinion before I ask you, yeah. is a... Uh, you know, there are people who are like, they're happy there are bars where there are foreigners because some Chinese folks like to go to those bars and are like, wow, this is where the foreigners are. <laughs> but then I get the other Chinese people who are like, look at those foreigners living in their own little bubble. So I think like it's also, a, you know, a dyad. Yeah. I mean, there's always there's always going to be people who disagree with each other when it comes to a new thing that's added to their culture or their living environment. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, in Beijing, at least, we're always surrounded by people that are friendly, super friendly, um, mm -hmm. and they like to try new things as well. If, you know, going to a bar, I try to take my parents. Really? Wow. Just to, to a bar? Mom and dad, let's head to the bar. That's something my parents would never do. I could only take them to like Jing or Beersmith <laughs> during, the, during the day. Like I couldn't take them on a proper bar experience. I can't be like, mm. hey, dad, let's go to this bar. Let's have a beer at 11 p.m. My dad would be like, are you insane? It's going to be bar crawl time. We're going <laughs> to hit these five bars in two hours. See if we can do yes. it. Let's go, dad. Yes. Oh, it would be fun, though. I would love to do that with my dad. But there are also people like my mom used to think only bad people go to bars like <laughs> <laughs> actually i remember some of that from your comedy routine a little bit yeah she's like who are these people that you're hanging out with i want to talk about the opposite a little bit really quickly so 
I know that for the foreigners who learn Mandarin really fluently and can do accents and things even, you know, when when they've gotten to that level <laughs> of assimilation, because for, I think really it's language in China. Yeah. If you can speak fluent Chinese, people are like, wow, you're amazing. Like you get so much praise from Chinese people. Yeah. They're like so happy that you've come. They're so happy that you bothered to learn the language. They're so happy that they can communicate with you that you could literally get on TV and become a celebrity just by doing True. that. True. That's kind of true. Yeah. Um, I have mixed feelings about it and I'll explain. This is not me. I have a couple of good friends who speak really, really good Chinese. My good friend Femi, he speaks full on like fluent Chinese. And sometimes he texts you. You're like, oh God, because you know, he's still foreign, but the way he uses Chinese is mm. very native and fun and like up mm. to date. Mm. That's the hard thing to do. Like he talks like just how we would talk and not how like my parents mm. would talk, you know, because some of my friends do that. Um, But I also knew this person back in 2012. 2011 I think he's American he spoke very good Chinese as well but not as good as Femi like you know foreigners a lot of, a lot of like foreigners who study Chinese like to just throw in different kind of words in there at the end they would just be like oh you ate ah you know, or mm. like, did you eat, huh? You know, so weird combinations, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they try to sound really local. Yeah. And he would wear, Chinese people don't even do that often. Like in summer, he would just wear like a really loose shorts, of course, to stay cool. And then on top, he would just only wear a beater oh, wow. and nothing else. Yeah. Like, cause he's like, oh, this is a local Beijing style. And then <laughs> it was early summer. It's not that hot yet. And it was windy outside. And he was like, let's go eat at this restaurant. I was like, oh, is the food great? He's like, no, because that restaurant is very local because there's like, it's dirty and it's whatever. And people <laughs> people sit outside by the street. So I want to do this. I was like, oh my God, what's your standard of like choosing places to go? Like, I, I get it. He felt like that's going to <laughs> I want to be like dirty, poor. And that's what China's like. Wow, that's terrible, actually, because I was like, yeah, that's wow. going a little too far. And then I was like, mm, I as a Chinese person, I'm starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, I get it. You're, you're just uh, like kind of taking in everything you think is Chinese and just doing it to the max. Did you ever like, you know, kind of try to like, Hey, you know, we go to these nice posh places too. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Hey, can we, it's interesting enough. He was actually the manager of a really, really, really fancy club at the time. Huh. But I, I think it's just like compensating <laughs> what he didn't like at work. And he was like, after work, I want to be completely just, just maybe like, it has oh. nothing to do with Chinese culture and everything to do with the fact that like, he feels like a class traitor or something. Probably. <laughs> He's like, I want to honor where I come from. Like, I don't like the job that how my job is making me feel. He wants a wife beater and to sit on the street on a plastic at a plastic. Seriously, table, so. I've never met a. I haven't. He was only foreigner. I, I knew all these years who would do that. Wait, what year was? What year was? It was twenty twelve, I think. It was before oh, okay, I left. Yeah. For the that States. was a little like me when I first got here. I saw that there were at that time. They're not in it really anymore. Yeah, there were that places outside, and I did go to those places because I was like, wow, this feels authentic. For like the first <laughs> year that I was here, then I realized, wait, this is like one percent of the kinds of establishments that exist. Yeah, and then I was like, okay, most people just go to the mall. Exactly. <laughs> people are like, oh, where do you go for? food like where's good chinese food we're like oh the mall <laughs> the mall like the two or three floors of like every restaurant type you can imagine and it's also it's a, also a very funny question when we get asked uh by people who are new to china and they're like where is authentic chinese food Walk i was around, like that question go that way that way that question cannot be answered like you can ask me where is it like authentic beijing food or uh, authentic yeah, yeah, sichuan yeah, yeah. food so i'd be like authentic chinese food i was like every single piece of meat or vegetable that you have here is authentic chinese it's food. you're in china now here right? it's here yeah, well, you yes. know i was actually uh well i want to change the topic but i do want to mention i miss the food in wuhan because mm. you know you know when i was in wuhan i was like oh ruga man yeah it's good oh, I love that. I cool. love it. But now that I'm in Beijing and I can't really get good rogamian, I'm like, man, I miss rogamian. <laughs> I have uh, I have recommendations for you. Okay, go ahead. There's a place called Guozhao, which mm. the English name is Morning. It's located very close to my place. And apparently mm. they have really good rogamian. Mm. So for the, for the Americans listening, I'm sorry, that means hot, dry noodles. And it's a special kind of noodle. It's actually not dry, but it's not. It's also not. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> I wanted to talk about two friends that I met. So I had been living here many, many years. Mm-hmm. And I met these two Chinese friends and they were in business together at the time. I'm not going to say either of their names okay. and because I don't want to embarrass anyone. But these two gentlemen friends who were young, you know, I'm in my mm. early 40s and these gentlemen were in their 20s, mid 20s, early 20s, actually. And they were like, hey, we want to hang out. I was like, cool, let's be friends. And the thing about it was they both spoke native 
perfect English. One, I mean, one of them is American. Okay. And he's like second generation and he spoke perfect English. And the other one is Chinese mainlander, but lived in America many years and spoke perfect English. And we did a little bit of drinking together. So my memory wasn't great. So for the first two or three or four, maybe <laughs> even four times I met them, I wasn't sure which mm-hmm. one was from America and which one was from China. Uh, my point is, about these two gentlemen is the one that was from China's mainland who had lived in America had acclimated to American English and, and culture so well yeah. that he was indistinguishable from a real American. And it was like challenging challenging for me to figure out okay wait a minute this guy wait a minute which one no no who is yeah. <laughs> so like i think assimilation is really complex and it takes on you know we were we mentioned earlier third generation food in a in like the uk or canada or the united states can take on its own personality there are so many gradations of what is a, an expat bubble in different countries and what is assimilating and what is mm-hmm. preserving your own culture and i think you know all of us take and borrow like different aspects of those of us who have lived abroad, moved abroad, traveled around a lot. Yeah. You know, I try to hang out with like Chinese folks who go to Chinese restaurants, and I, but I don't speak Chinese very well. And when I'm at home alone, I watch American movies. Of course. Mo- mostly. I do watch some Chinese movies, but it's like 10%. So like assimilation is very complex and every single person has a, their own mix of how well they have assimilated or not, or how much they want to even. Yeah. And I think when it comes to preserving one's culture in another country, it kind of just goes without even, it goes without saying that you kind of have to open it up to more people. And in that way, you kind of have to alter how it is done at home so that in a way it's not just preserved it, you're also introducing it to the local community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, and if we're talking about Chinese immigrants living in the United States, it's been a couple hundreds of years. Well, mm. sorry, it's been like 200 years or something. They definitely have adapted part of the celebration or their own tradition mm. to what people would like to do in in the United States so that there more people could join them. And then, you know, all of these festivals at the end of at the end of the day, it's about being together, feeling like a community. And, you know, who really cares what the community is made of, like wherever you're from, if you're on board for celebrating our culture, then you're, you know, we'll welcome you with um, open arms. Mm-hmm. But I, I do have another, it's not a sad, well, it's pretty sad, actually. It's kind mm-hmm. of a sad story about, because we talked about how Chinese, how you celebrate a Chinese New Year really different with like Chinese international students, I mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. assume, or Chinese. Uh, yeah, they were students. Right. Um, versus Chinese Americans or Chinese immigrants living in the United States. We were doing this neighborhood legacy project for the New York Public Library and we're mm-hmm. being put in touch with people who live in Chinatown to talk about their story, to talk about how their life is. And one of this lady who was really, really nice and his, her English was limited, but she was trying to express herself. And she talked about how the day before our recording session, it was, I think it was Chinese New Year. Or one of the really important Chinese holidays. I think it was Chinese New Year. And she was living in the United States just with her daughter. Mm. So she had no one else to really celebrate because she has a, a job that takes most of her time. And she doesn't speak too much English. So she doesn't really have friends that are American mm-hmm. or, or, or other like uh, ABCs. All she wanted was for her mm-hmm. daughter to come home and have hot pot with her. So she prepared a whole hot pot dinner uh, waiting for her at home. And she called her daughter and her daughter's like... I am having dinner with my friends. I'm not going to come home. Oh, She's like, so just come home after dinner, you know, just sit at the table with me because it's Chinese. Mm-hmm. It's it's Chinese New Year. I want to be with family. And then she goes, I can't. I have like gym session after dinner with my friends. And she just kind of got a little annoyed. And she's like, oh, my God, can you leave me alone? Like this day doesn't mean anything to me. And so when she was telling that story, when she was recounting what her daughter said to her, like that was legit tears. And then she, she shed like one tear maybe. And then she smiled again. She's like, I'm sorry. I, mm. I, 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 my, I felt like my heart was like, broken a little bit like died a little bit yeah, i think it's hard to explain you know if, if someone didn't say they were i'm not coming home for christmas or thanksgiving in very a few families in america people would be like oh that's really sad but you know chinese new year is very family oriented and so it is that makes me a little bit sad i did want to finish on a positive note so i want to Yes, please. We are a show that meets East <laughs> and West. And so I think that this is an interesting topic that we need to keep returning to because it's important that we continue to have respect for one another as we are finding the way that we're going to 
keep our own traditions and culture and also inhabit one another's spaces. And as the world gets smaller and smaller, this is our show is a critical bridge to help cultures really understand one another. We and try. Why it's important to both preserve your own culture to some extent and to assimilate to some extent and how yeah. all of us are one big family. Yes, that's definitely what we try to do every episode. All right. Talk to you next time, Alex. Always lovely talking to you, Jason. I'll see you next time. Thank you.